you're listening to Not Many of You Should Become Teachers, a podcast that explores the world of K-12 education as it intersects with the Christian faith. You might call us extreme moderates. We're skeptics who try not to be cynics and are allergic to cheap rhetoric. Welcome to the show. All right, uh, we're here. Another episode, not many of you should become teachers. Uh, we're thrilled to be joined with another guest this week, and we are joined with uh, Mr. Tim Cavey, a proficient podcaster and eighth grade teacher. Tim, how about you tell us a little bit about yourself and what do you teach? Yeah, I, first of all, it is a huge pleasure, guys, to be here with you actually recording together. And hey, we're, we're starting a little podcasting movement here at our are still to be unnamed Christian school in <laughs> the school Surrey. that we <laughs> teach at. That's where we are. Yeah. So as you said, I'm an eighth grade teacher, and I'm strangely enough, I'm teaching just about everything. I didn't really expect that this year, but that's the way it's worked out. I am a relatively new stepdad of two boys who also attend our school as well. And like you said, I'm the host of another podcast called Teachers on Fire, and that's been a passion project which which started in March of 2018 and still going strong. Yeah, Tim, actually, it's fantastic to have you at our school, and it was through your podcast that we actually met. That's we'd, right. We'd never even met, and... I think I was following you on Twitter, yeah. and you shot a message at me, and I was a guest on your show last summer. And so here we are, full circle, really glad to have you uh, on board and to, to get to know you and, and see you both online and uh, also in the classroom here on our campus, which is a little bit of what we're going to be talking about today, sort of digital and online and, uh, and our presence on there. So for maybe our listeners who are unaware... Could you explain a little bit about what it means to teach and even enact digital citizenship? Yeah, well, thanks for the question, Dave. And yeah, you're right. This is this is pretty awesome to be connecting here in person after after interviewing you remotely last year and not meeting you yet. But just your activity online sort of connected me to you, and you were awesome, by the way. So. <laughs> But yeah, digital citizenship is a super exciting topic. And, you know, I like to frame it within just that idea of citizenship itself. So as a social studies teacher yourself, you know, you talk about rights and responsibilities, about, you know, freedoms and obligations and contributions to society. And that's, that's kind of a good starting point, I think. You know, digital citizenship is all about, you know, how we play, how we work, what we're creating, what we're contributing to the lives of others, how we build community and relationship. And one of the things that's really important to me is that, you know, digital life is the real life. You know, and I hear you guys talk about sort of the false distinction between the sacred and the secular and how they really are one space. And I, I think the same thing applies between the digital and the, I guess, the physical or the analog world this this and the spiritual world these are all one and our actions and behavior in in digital spaces have real world consequences both for positive and for negative when we talk about digital citizenship in the education space often it's framed in the sense of nine pillars and i I won't list all of them but they include things like communication literacy etiquette i already mentioned rights and responsibilities security 
Of course, a big one that we talk about in academics is, you know, things like uh, plagiarism and ownership, intellectual property, things like that. So it really is a huge topic, and, and I look forward to digging into it a little bit more with you guys. All right, Tim, that's a really great answer. Wow, getting right into the faith and learning of it already, even without it being necessarily like ingrained in the question. You came prepared. I love that. Uh, so I'm curious because you are very present online. Like you uh, have your podcast, obviously, but um, you have your own Twitter account, Instagram account, very uh, prolific in those digital places. Now, when I was going through um, my professional program, becoming a teacher and in other spaces as well, I was forewarned that it's probably best to privatize social media to sometimes on your Facebook to change your last name to your middle name so that students aren't able to necessarily find you. Um, And for me, I wonder if that's more of an integrity question than a privacy question. But my question for you more than anything is that you've opted not to do that. Like you're you're public, you're out there, anyone can see it, your students can see that. So um, has your view of digital citizenship uh, shaped that choice? Absolutely. And I think, you know, that you, you raise a really interesting question because there, there's kind of different schools of thought on this. Some of our teaching in schools and K-12 schools and even in the last couple of decades, which really is the, the length of the Internet or the life of the Internet, when I think back to the late 90s, you know, some of our teaching has been to anonymize. Is that a word, Dave? Uh, uh, it is. <laughs> anonymize everything, use pseudonyms, you know, protect your identity at all costs. And, you know, lately in my reading, I've come across some pushback against that and kind of this idea that actually, no, we need to be training our students in some respects to sign their name to their work. And, you know, today you look at Twitter as, as one platform that you know, the three of us utilize, but it does have the the curse of a ton of very veiled trolls, we call them, right? People who hide behind fake profiles and, you know, are free to sort of say whatever they want and, and really spew, in some cases, some really offensive stuff. So, you know, getting back to the idea of identity, you know, to me, Riley, it's all about defining your own footprint. And I think we're living in an age when you will be found online and you can either make the choice to define what that looks like or not. And, you know, for the teachers that don't, it might be, you know, their place of work, where their name turns up. It might be, you know, ratemyteachers.com. It might be different news posts or whatever it might be, but it's sort of accidental and it's all decided by other parties. And so I, I take the approach that I like to sort of, you know, define that as much as I can and, and be a positive agent in my own articulation of what I'm all about, I guess. And, you know, I guess the other thing that we talk about, too, in terms of our, our place in the, in the digital world is the tremendous power of relationship building and, and network building. And if you want to be a part of that, you do have to use your name. And you have to be real about who you are. And, you know, I do have a a Twitter account that promotes my podcast, Teachers on Fire. But I also have a teacher account because sometimes, you know, what I I want to tweet about or talk about or discuss is really more about me. And it's not so much about my podcast. So 
I think personally that, you know, it's a, a good practice and a good way to live. And I think we'll talk more about that. But in terms of our, our presence in the digital world, I, I like to identify myself. Well, just to throw a little personal side on that, when I do uh, Google my own name, yeah, it actually is Teachers on Fire, the episode from the summer. So you have been part of uh, shaping my own, I mean, the identity online and what people are going to see of me. I actually had students who mentioned this. They, they, I, I could hear students over at a table talking, and they were using the phrase teachers on fire. And, I was, <laughs> and I, then I realized they're, funny. they found me. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, some of us, if we, if we happen to have a common name, so my stepsons, well, maybe I shouldn't say that. <laughs> I'll protect their, their anonymity, but, this, you know. This is going online. <laughs> they, that's such a funny step that I came there after saying everything I just did. But, <laughs> you know, I, I guess the distinction is I won't make that choice for them, shall we say. So they can, they can decide to what extent they want to be named and identified. But if you do have a very common last name, in some ways that, that is sort of a shrouding effect. When you Google yourself, you know, you might come across, you know, 20 different individuals with your name before you find yourself. So that, that's just a tangent. But yeah, I, I think that I, I think it's really important, Riley, getting back to your question, too, to say that in no way should our relationships take the place of, of, of real human friendships and interactions. So that's something I'm careful to say as well. But I do think these tools are powerful and, and I'm all about the relationships you know, that are, are possible to be, to be formed through these spaces. So, Tim, you, you mentioned in your first answer about faith and learning. You got right into the, the crux of what our podcast is all about and where it intersects with teaching and learning ourselves. We Riley has spoken before and often will remind me about uh, we're learners as well. And I'm just wondering about that intersection. So if you could explore just a little bit the Christian faith, how that influences the way we uh, not only live out digitally, as you said, online, but how do we teach that to, mm-hmm. to our students? Mm-hmm. So exciting. So one of my biggest messages right off the top is that, you know, I'm all about create over consume. And I think that's really important to keep coming back to that. So our young people, and and Riley and I work in a middle school context, Dave, you're in a high school, and, you know, from the time these these kids pick up a device, they are good at consuming. You know, it doesn't take a lot of skill to consume, but what are they creating and what are they contributing back to the world? So that's, that's a foundational concept that I come back to a lot. I think there's a lot of biblical basis for that. You know, we were... We believe that we were created in the image of a creative God. And I think we were wired and were really called to create and, and to communicate and to collect all, all these C's in our core competencies. That's, those are all, you know, really God-ordained callings. You know, another, another direction that I like to go to, I already mentioned relationships, and I think technology can really help us build community. It can help us communicate the, the love and grace and truth of God. It can be a huge part of bringing hope and restoration to a fallen world. So in different shapes and forms, we can see, I believe, technology facilitate all of those things. 
And then you talked about, you know, how does our, our faith inform our teaching? Well, a lot of the negative dynamics that we see in the digital space is things like FOMO and consumerism and plagiarism, sexual misbehavior, cyberbullying, phone addiction, all of those things sort of send chills up and down a parent's spine. <laughs> and those are very real things, you know, but I think our, our Christian faith informs all of those problems as well and exposes the ways in which, you know, all of those sort of deviant sounds too extreme, but <laughs> those deviant behaviors are, are not God's design, not, not God's best. Yeah. And you're alluding to uh, this idea of operating out of, a, out of fear. And we've right. had, this has been a theme yeah. we've, we've talked about in many things, right? We, we fear and fearing what's online, fearing what is out there. What are uh, kids, what are students uh, getting into? What are they going to encounter? And you're offering, you're articulating a, a very hopeful vision and one that is, is active as opposed to uh, passive, and it's also or reactive, yeah. or reactive, right? And 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 that that's a that's a huge thing. We don't want to just react to these things. So I, I think you articulate that well. Sorry, can I just say something? Because yeah, I was in. thinking yeah. about how um, there's that resistance, right, where we could just seriously turn off a lot of these awesome tools that are that are uh, available to us. But then, um, or we could go in the route of teaching how to love what is right. You know what I mean? And someone who has has really fallen in love and desire, uh, has a desire for what Jesus wants, uh, I think those people uh, are have digital citizenship built into them. You know what I mean? Because I think uh, it's really when we... Um, when we fear all these other things uh, is when this becomes even more of a problem and then we don't actually teach what what is best to be done here, not just on online, but in our own world. Because like you said oh, at the beginning, they, they really come together. Mm -hmm. Well, there's a lot we could say there, but yeah, I, I think we've, we've covered that well that, you know, and I would far rather engage in, in the public square and be a part of, of the, the activity and the life and the discussions that are happening there than just sort of withdraw to our, off to our monastery and, and, you know, retreat. You know, one other thing that one of my favorite authors on this topic, Andy Crouch, talks a lot about is the whole easy everywhere. He calls it easy everywhere that technology feeds into. And that is something that I think touches all of us. And it, it it definitely affects this generation that is growing up in front of our eyes, the digital natives. So that's the idea that everything is instant, easy, on demand. You know, our, our students have never had to wait for their favorite show or, you know, they've never had to wait for their favorite song. It's always just there. And that affects us as adults, obviously, as well. But I do think in terms of building wisdom and courage, which is something else Crouch talks a lot about, and in the, in the education space, the buzzwords we hear are growth mindset, resilience, problem solving, many of those soft skills, our students need to sort of understand what it is to work through problems, to wait for a solution, you know, the, the answer or the, yeah, the, the solution isn't always instant. Right. Uh, you'd, you'd already mentioned, or we, we had talked about how you're prolific on the internet and love to use so many of these tools that are available to you. So one of my questions for you is, what are some of your tips for modeling good digital citizenship as a Christian role model for your students? 
Okay, so I, I tried not to overthink this one. I do have a few, and they're coming in no particular order. Okay, you guys ready? Yeah. But here's number one. I think if I'm asking my students and my two stepsons to create content, and I do, and I often ask them to create before they consume, I need to model that lifestyle myself. And that lifestyle can be scary. It involves vulnerability. It's risky because when you when you create content, when you put things out there, you risk the rejection uh, of others or worse. <laughs> so that's number one. Number two, just learn the different mediums and platforms and leverage them to the fullest in order to create things of beauty and utility and, and contribution in our world. So uh, that's what we're doing right here, guys. We're using a free platform and different, you know, very simple instruments. And we're putting out content that I hope will be an encouragement to educators literally all over the world. And I might add for considerable time because, you know, people go back and listen to old podcasts. It's, it's just a thing that happens. So, you know, it's a pretty powerful medium that we're leveraging and more people could be doing this. So that's, that's another tip for sure. I guess number three, I, I don't like to go here, but it's important to mention that we've got to be careful what we post in terms of modeling for, uh, you know, our younger learners. So sometimes, you know, I think of the old adage, what, what we do in moderation, others will do in excess or they'll take, you know, I was talking with my parents about just last night about pastors who, who, who tweet and, and Instagram, you know, wherever they are. And I think, uh, that is fine. You know, sometimes it's fine to be at a, at a place. Maybe you're going to a, a public house and consuming some adult beverages, but, but maybe that's not what you want to put on your, tw on your teacher account, right? Because, just because we are leaders, especially as educators. And then the fourth one that I, I wrote down is, you know, we, for myself, I've decided to stop trying to win ideological battles in online spaces. So I, I've come to the point now where I just refuse to debate politics or religion on Facebook or Twitter. And, you know, I, I go back to a few years ago when I posted on Facebook a, a critical, a comment that was critical of a country that will remain unnamed that sort of promotes segregation and apartheid policies in the world today. And this country, this my comment really set off a, a few reactions, and and I had three uncles breathing fire on my comments. <laughs> I was embroiled in this debate for the better part of a day, and I just thought, what is really being gained here? You know, so to me, that that's one thing that I think for myself, I just I try to avoid the really controversial issues of, you know, it's the old things we can't talk about around the Thanksgiving table, right? The or maybe we can, but if we can, as long as it can be civil and, and actually lead to a substantive resolution. I think the idea of sensitivity and awareness to what you're what you're raising or bringing up, and you don't want to inflame things. I have to navigate that, particularly in the high school level. Um, and I teach social studies, and I teach history, and I I often will this sounds more grandiose than it is, I, I tend to run towards controversy and getting people to think about these things, but it has been online and being, being present in a digital space has forced me to think about, I'm gonna be encountering students face-to-face -face in the classroom. Many of them follow me, many of them see what I say and post online, so what you're saying, Tim, is it, it has some currency here around just some some thoughtful 
guidelines. You're giving us giving us some guidelines, and and you embody that well. There, there's a, a a law out there. I don't know if you guys have heard of this. It's called Godwin's Law. I just looked it up on Wikipedia to remind myself what it what it's called. But uh, this is uh, Nazis, <laughs> yes. Hitler. Yeah, I've... that that it, the longer a, a debate goes on one of these platforms like Facebook, the higher the likelihood that the Nazis and Hitler will be invoked by one, you know, inevitably by one of the sides. <laughs> Recommendation: You need to follow Mike Godwin on Twitter. Okay. <laughs> uh, he will he will often um, he'll tell you when to invoke the law or not, which is oh, okay. quite funny. So I, I highly recommend. He's he he's that's very high, active online. That's a high place to put himself. Like, okay, guys, now it's okay. <laughs> he, he, he will wade in. <laughs> uh, a couple of things I that came to mind when you were sharing that last tip that. You have to be able to anything you post online. You have to be willing to have a courageous conversation about. I think that 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 was some of the best advice I got uh, in my professional program, um, learning to be a teacher and just seeing what you post online. That anyone, even a student or a parent or in any uh, shape or form, you need to be able to like to la- the cliche would be that you have to be able to back it up. You know what I mean? What you're saying, but like you kind of have to. And then I was also thinking about the first one that you said. You mentioned. Um, what you'd let your stepsons create. And isn't that Jordan Peterson that says, don't, don't let your kids do anything that would make that with, Oh, what is it? Don't let your kids do stuff that make you hate them. (laughs) So don't, so it's essentially saying like, you shouldn't post, let your kids be posting anything on the internet that make you hate them, which is hyperbolic. (laughs) You know what I mean? But I think you get what he's trying to say. Yeah, for sure. And you know, it's interesting. We have two sons in seventh grade and, and ninth grade right now. And we haven't greenlighted social media. And maybe that should, <laughs> maybe I should talk about that somehow. But I, I will say so, in terms of their creation right now, what that looks like is, you know, cartooning or, or making videos or photography or, you know, different type. But in terms of the just engaging on those social platforms, that's interesting. And, and I, that's great advice. I'll come back to that maybe in a year or whenever we green light, you know, Instagram and Facebook. But w- was that quote, was that Peterson comment from 12 Rules for Life, by the way? I'm yeah, it's one of his 12 okay. rules. I'd have to okay. d- confirm it. I actually haven't read the book, but I've read the table of contents. Yeah, I've ju- <laughs> <laughs> It's a frank admission. I, I've started the book and I, I'm hoping to get through it this year. But yeah, he's, well... He's a controversial figure as well, I was just but, so say, I'll be careful what I, I say about I, as him. As soon as I, you know, okay, we're wading into Jordan Peterson here. I, 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 there's there's much there, and I'll bite my tongue. But well, I, he, you know, what, let let's suffice it to say he's got some really refreshing and you know frank takes on a lot of what is going on in these digital spaces as well. So, and if I could just clarify, I found the actual quotation, so it's not like I don't seem like this person. I am a person that just read the table of contents, but it says <laughs> do not let your children do anything that makes you dislike them, which uh, has some that's interesting some interesting tones to it. Yeah, I'll think about that one for a while. So Tim, could you uh, maybe recommend some literature for us? I've become I've become that guy. I take the pictures of the book covers and and link them up. And you've already mentioned a few great resources. And so, what has 
What has fed you on this topic, and uh, what would you recommend for some of our listeners to, to access and read? Well, before I tell you a couple of books, you mentioned resources, and I don't want to let this slip by without mentioning a fantastic resource for educators and parents, and that's Common Sense Media. And I know that one will be familiar to many in your audience, but it may not. And so if you are looking for really, really well-researched and well-put-together material, they are a gold mine, and it's all free. So common, uh, common Sense Media. But I've got three book titles for you to think about. The first one I've read cover to cover and loved, and it's by Andy Crouch. It's called The TechWise Family. And so he talks about how he manages technology in his home, and it's an excellent read for any believer, for sure. And then the second one that, truthfully, I've just started into, but it's also from a Christian perspective, is called 12 Ways Your Phone Is Changing You. And that's by Tony Rinka, or I'm not sure how to say his last name, but Tony. Rinky. You know him? No. <laughs> oh, Tony. Okay. You can Google him, right? You'll figure it out. Uh, John Piper wrote the foreword. That, that might be encouraging or discouraging, depending on <laughs> how you guys feel about him. But <laughs> and then one from the more from the secular realm, although I think the author teaches at a, a Catholic school in Ontario, but she's recognized as one of the leaders in this space as an educator. It's called Social Media, Moving Students from Digital Citizenship to Digital Leadership. And I just had her on my show a few weeks ago, and she's excellent. So... That's all about, she, she is a big advocate of, you know, just getting students to be proactive, to define their own footprint and actually, you know, contribute really effectively to the world. So I, who is that author? Jennifer, I'm sorry. Yeah. Jennifer Cassatod is, is the name of the author. I will, mm -hmm. I'll link that up uh, for our listeners. Uh, we, we post all our stuff on our Twitter account at not many of you. No, what is it? That's not it. Yeah, that's it. Not many of you. Not <laughs> You guys better know that that Twitter account. We, you know, yeah, I run it, and I. Yeah. We are okay. just drinking tea here. <laughs> yeah. All right, Tim, you've already shared so many incredible uh, tools, tips, resources, and uh, some cool integration of faith into the digital citizenship world. Uh, and I'm just curious if there's anything else that you feel like you'd like to share. I almost said, is there anything on your heart, which is just the most <laughs> cliche youth pastor right. thing to say. Yeah. But uh, I wonder if there's anything else that maybe we had skimmed over that you'd uh, like to share, and you can go for that. Well, Brother Riley, um, <laughs> no, I'm, you know, I'm just so thrilled and fascinated by the opportunities for content creation that our young people have in front of them today. You know, I think about your YouTube channel, that fires me up, and I don't know how much has been happening there lately, but we have so many tools and resources and platforms to create great audio and video and written content. And, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, these opportunities were just simply non-existent. You know, the, the gatekeepers of, of publishing companies and networks and studios, they held all the keys. And now, you know, the, the Internet has democratized the, the platforms of communication so far, so effectively that anyone can really express their voice and, and be heard. So it's a really, really exciting time. I listen to entrepreneurs on my podcasts, uh, some really high profile people who ha have built phenomenal companies in some cases. And, 
you know, courses and platforms and books and all kinds of things really just through their own hard work. And I think any of our, our learners can do the same. You know, my boys have that opportunity. And I don't, you know, when a kid tells me, they want to be a professional YouTuber. I actually, I've heard other teachers make fun of that, and I actually think that is that's actually a valid, you know, life career choice if that's the direction you want to go. And it, it that's the kind of thing that does, you know, all of this content creation takes work. None of it is, is easy, but these are all very valid avenues forward. And so, it's all part of the gig economy, and, and it's the way the world is going. So it's it's a very exciting time. So I lament the fact, and Dave, I think you hear me on. I lament the fact that I'm only becoming, I'm really only becoming active now at the age of 40, and I'm sitting across from a guy who's about half my age. So I'm a little envious of his runway, and you know I think of my boys; they're even younger. So it's it's awesome. I can't imagine what's ahead, but. I think in terms of what we're talking about, faith and learning, there are tremendous opportunities. Tim, where can our listeners find you online and learn more from you? I know you've you've mentioned your podcast, and that's how we met and, and got connected online. Uh, so besides the episode where I am featured, which of <laughs> course is this amazing episode, where yeah. maybe start with your podcast. Where would somebody who looks up your podcast for the first time should they listen to episode one? Can they dive in? How do you how do you structure that? And uh, and then yeah, direct us to how we can find you online. So that's interesting. I do see when I look at my analytics, I see that a lot of people are listening to the very first episode and then there's a steep drop off after that. (laughs) So make of that what you will. But no, in truth, I I think I've gotten a little better at it as I've gone along. So if you do decide to subscribe to Teachers on Fire, first of all, I'd be flattered and, and grateful. But yeah, do listen to the most recent episodes first. And in terms of following me online, just look me up at Teachers on Fire or at Mr. KV. You can find me at either place. And uh, that will connect you with all the other places where I am, where I, I live and, and publish online. So guys, I just want to say thanks again for this opportunity. This has been awesome. I'm a huge fan. I will not miss an episode. I promise you that. So maybe this one. Uh, but, <laughs> no, but I, but I love the concept. I love what you're doing. And I love just the service you're providing to Christian educators out there. I think this is a much needed conversation. Well, thanks, Tim. That That is high praise coming from Mr. KV, uh, Teachers on Fire. He's <laughs> crushing it. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. All right. Uh, so if you enjoyed this episode and you want to learn more about this or any more faith and learning stuff, uh, be sure to hit subscribe in the app of your choice. Uh, if you're looking for more content, that extra content, resources, stuff like that, the Twitter is the best place to do that. And our Twitter is at not many of you. That's where you find all the resources from today's episode and from episode episodes previous. Uh, Also, if you enjoyed the podcast today, be sure to give us a great rating on the app of your choice. We thank you for listening. Until then, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.